Well, this week, we will be sharing this message again this week, this next weekend on Risen. And they've got some of those little flyers that they want to pass down the aisle. But when I think about this week, I think about the commitment that Jesus made when he went to the cross for you, for me, for the whole world. The world present at that time and the world that was to come, the people that were to be born into this world. Right now, there's seven billion people living on the face of the earth. Only two and a half billion are Christian or confess to the Christian faith. And that's a variety of views right there. When I look behind me at these continents, these nations behind me, I just think we've got to reach more. The white dots are where we have missionaries and we're thankful for those that have gone out from us and We've got, of course, IVBIs around the world, but I think about those colored dots where the most persecution is going on right now. I received a, a thing on my phone which talks about uh, which Terry Law's ministry, World Compassion, we've, we've networked with him many times, but he sent a, a little announcement about a man that he shared the story about in Iraq, northern Iraq, where... World Compassion has gone in there to help people uh, who are refugees who have tried to escape ISIS and, and uh, many of them like one family where there was 70, I think, 70 people in that family uh, that were rel related to one another all killed and then others that, you know, living together in one little small place and, and how that they're getting through with humanitarian aid to show them and demonstrate the love of God, but also to bring that message of the gospel, bringing it through literature, bringing it through uh, the ability to just speak one-on-one -on -one with the government uh, that they're trying to form there. And uh, I think about all of all that goes on. You know, we, we as a church, we have always felt the call of God to not just be a club, to not just be satisfied to be just a, a group of us four and no more uh, coming together each week and having a little meeting, but that we would have a vision for the world. And that's why you see this behind you is to give you vision. Without vision, people perish. And when churches have no vision set before them, many times, you know, they die out. But God wants us to keep a vision for the world. He wants us to keep a vision for people that are around our lives, where we are, but also people we don't even know. And so that's why this message of people of the cross all through this month that we've shared this series to bring it to our minds to pray, to bring it to our minds to give, to bring it to our minds to go or to be a part. See, I believe the call of God is going out right now in this hour to all of us in this, in this time that believers, God needs every one of us in the harvest field. He needs all of us to lift up our eyes and see the harvest because it's ripe. Well, when I think about the cross and I think about Jesus' commitment how small of a thing is it for us to have a little piece of paper, a flyer, to give to somebody else? How committed are we? How committed, what, 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 how far will we go in our commitment, our commitment with Jesus? You know, and we have to start somewhere. I was driving through a drive-thru and I handed a little flyer with my payment to the lady in the Schlotzkys and she, she said, is this for me? And I said, and she's just a young, young woman. She, I said, yes. And she, she says, well, oh, you gave me two. Do you need one back or do you want me to give it to somebody else in here? I said, give it to somebody else in there. <laughs> but 
you know, many times it's just stepping across that, that uncomfortable feeling of feeling, what if they reject me? Or what if they, you know, say, well, we're not allowed to do that. Well, what if you just press through all those thoughts and just do it anyway? And just, you can be nice, you can be kind. If somebody rejects you, you don't have to be pushy or shovey, shoving. You can just say, it's okay. I just wanted to share this with you. And so many times we let the enemy talk us out of commitment, but Jesus calls us to the same commitment that he had. In fact, Philippians 2.5 tells us, let this mind be in you. I want to read it to you. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. In other words, Jesus was God in the flesh. He was the Son of God coming into the world. This is why the cross is so important. You see, if we have, if Christianity was without the cross, we'd just be another religion, but we're not a religion. We are not a religion. We are a relationship with God Himself. God Almighty, the Creator that created all of us, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who is the only one true God through His Son, Jesus. And that's why the cross is so important because Jesus, through the cross, made the statement to the world, I am the way. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. I'm the only way. See, that's what separates the men from the boys. That's what separates Christianity from religion because we believe Jesus brought us into a relationship with God himself. And so when we think about the cross, we think about Jesus, though he was God in the flesh, he wasn't trying to go around and tell his titles. He wanted people to figure him out. As they, as they were with him. Those disciples, remember, they, they hung out with him. They knew there was something about him, they, and, and they suspicioned it. But then that moment came when he said, who do, you say, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, some say you're one of the prophets. Come back. And, but who do you say that I am? You've been hanging with me. Who do you say that I am? And Peter blurted out, you're the Christ. You're the one we've been looking for. You're the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus said, oh, Peter, Flesh and blood hadn't revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. What a thrill. He said, on this rock of revelation, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. I'm telling you, when you get a revelation of Jesus in your life and the cross and what the power of that cross is to you, you can't shut up. You can't shut up. Forrest, you can't shut up. You got delivered and healed of AIDS. Praise God. The power of the cross the power of the cross. And Jesus says, let this mind be in you that was also in him that thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of man. He, he emptied his, himself of his position and he came to earth as a man, as a babe, but then grew up to be a man and being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself he humbled himself and he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. How can that mind get inside of you and me? How can that mind get inside of you and me? Well, it can get inside of you and me by, first of all, you know, we're not trying to have some title. I remember a guy came up to me one time. He had a card. It was the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, <laughs> prof, uh, doctor, archbishop, 
or bishop, and then it had his name. <laughs> Contact me if you would like for me to come and speak. <laughs> Jesus didn't have to pass out titles. He didn't have to try to convince somebody who he was. He let them know who he was by who, what he did. And, and it says he humbled himself and became obedient unto his Father God. In fact, Jesus said in John 5, he said, I don't do anything except what my Father tells me to do. His obedience, his commitment was all the way. His commitment to go through the cross People, the cross was not going to be just a physical death. It was going to be suffering in every way that you could think of. He was going to take on the sins of the world. He was going to take on sickness and disease. He was going to take on mental torment. He was going to bear upon himself every pain, everything that you could think of in him, himself on that cross. He knew what he was going to become on that cross. In fact, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, that he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us. God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Thank you, Jesus. The cross, the cross was a commitment to obey God all the way. And when we think about this week, Passion Week, we think about the passion that drove him. You see, the definition of passion is an extreme, overwhelming emotion. Now, there's, there's passion that's hatred. We know that. But there's the passion of love that Jesus exhibited to the, to the ultimate. He had a passion that drove him to the cross, that drove him to pay the price to ransom you and me to redeem us out of the hand of the enemy, to deliver us. And it happened that God said it would happen. He, he planned for it to happen during this week of Passover because the Jewish people remembered Passover each year. They remembered Passover each year because when they had been in the land of Egypt, they were slaves. They were slaves. And Pharaoh beat them. He had them beat. He had them uh, persecuted. He... He made life hard for them. He was oppressive, controlling. And so Pharaoh represents Satan. Egypt represent, represents slavery. Now, not today. I'm not saying that because we've got nations here from all around the world in our church. And some of my dear friends are from Egypt. So, But I'm saying at that time, at that time, Egypt represented slavery to the people of God, to the Jewish people. And so here in Exodus 12, we, we see how that God told, God told Moses, he said, there's the last plague that's going to come to this land. The other plagues, all those plagues had been representatives of the gods that Egypt had worshipped during that time. And, and we came to the last plague. The last plague was going to be the angel of death that would pass over the land of Egypt. And that night, when that angel of death was going to pass over, that God told Moses, tell the children of Israel, kill a young lamb that's without spot or blemish. And then sprinkle the blood over the doorpost of every home, every Jewish home. And then go tell the people, go inside your home, stay there, cook the meat, eat the meat with unleavened bread and bitter herbs, representing the bitterness of the slavery they'd been in. And the unleavened bread representing the fact that it was going to be a quick deliverance that night. And so 
Moses told the people they did this when the sprinkling of the blood was applied to the doorpost of the homes. As it dripped, it represented the sign of the cross. Again, God was always trying to make the connection because he had a plan of delivering mankind, but it, it was going to happen through his son being sent. We all know that Adam and Eve had sinned and they had, uh, they had opened the door to sin into our world and all the evil, every, all the sickness, disease, earthquakes, tornadoes, storms, accidents, calamities, all evil. And God had planned from the beginning he was going to send his son to redeem. He said, the seed of woman is going to bruise your head, Satan, though you bruise his heel, Genesis 3.15. So he had already planned his son to come. But he was showing in a type and shadow of Moses and the children of Israel. He said, take that young lamb that's without spot or blemish and, and offer that lamb as a sacrifice. And then he says, and then it's going to be to deliver your life from from the angel of death when it passes over the, over the land. So that night, that night when the angel of death came all throughout Egypt and you begin to hear the cries of the Egyptians as the firstborn son of every home was dying through that night. But when it got to the Hebrew homes, the Jewish homes, the angel of death passed over when it saw the blood, the blood applied. And I'm telling you, during this week of Passover, when Jews still to this day, because God told them you were to, you were to remember and, and uh, remember this time each year annually from then on, that you were delivered from slavery. You were delivered from the dominion of, of Pharaoh. And he says you're to, you're to also receive the feast of unleavened bread. So he said this week of Passover would be something you would commemorate every year to not forget to not forget. So when Jesus came, the week of Passover, it was all a plan of God so that people could, their eyes could be opened. They could see who He is fulfilling Scripture. And yet, many of them didn't. Today, on this particular day, Christians celebrate what is called Palm Sunday. Because six days before the, the cross, Jesus came into Jerusalem in a triumphal entry, riding on a donkey. As people began to wave palm branches at him, and as they waved those palm branches at him, they were shouting from the scripture, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna, son of David. Of course, this was a quote from Psalms 118, but as they began to cry that out, that, that crowd waving those palm branches. Palm branches represented victory. Little did they know that Jesus was going to, that very week on that cross, he was going to have victory over sin and death. He was going to take the keys of Satan from him, the authority that he had had over mankind. And he was going to strip him of his power and he was going to triumph over him in, in the cross. But see, he had to go through the cross he had to go through the cross. The cross was a, a commitment. It was, it was dying, dying on the inside first. When you think about, he not only came through in that triumphant, triumphant entry, but also the Garden of Gethsemane. You think about in that garden, you know, here all these people have been shouting his praise. 
but some of that same crowd was going to be later shouting his crucifixion. And that night in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was contemplating the horror that he was going to be going through. And as he was, he prayed, Lord, Father, if there's any way that this cup can pass from me, but not my will, your will be done. He was having to make commitment, commitment. So today, I want you to get this inside of you. The cross is about commitment, commitment. How committed are you and me? Are we committed enough that we could obey God at whatever he tells us to do? Are we committed enough that we could, we could humble ourselves at times and do something that may cause us to coil on the, recoil on the inside? I'll tell you, whatever we do in obedience and commitment to him, he rewards. We see the fruit of it. We see the reward of it. And so, so when we think about the cross, we think about this message of the cross. I want to read this scripture to you. And this is from 1 Corinthians 1.18. The New Living Translation says, The message of Christ's death on the cross is nonsense to those that are being lost. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. Wow. You know, a few years ago, there was a, uh, there was a, a president at one time that we had. He made this statement. He said, it's too bad, it's so sad that, that Jesus had to die at such a, a prime of life, 33 years old. Just think of what he could have done had he lived longer. That president was clueless. He, he didn't understand. You know, many times great men don't understand the things of God. But when we humble ourselves to believe and, to, and to, to look at what the truth of the Bible tells us, the truth of God's Word, we see that, that the, pow, the cross is power. It has power to change lives. I've seen drug, drug addicts instantly delivered. I've seen people healed in their bodies by looking to the power of the cross. Why? Because Isaiah 53 tells us that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was put upon him. With his stripes we are healed. And then we read it in the New Testament as well. Himself, Matthew 8, 17. He took our infirmities. He bore our diseases in his own body. And, and then we see 1 Peter 2, 24. Looking back at the cross, he, he healed us with his stripes. But we see that there's power in looking to the cross when we understand that that cross delivered you and me, delivered you and me, gave us victory over the devil. There's victory in the cross. There's victory over sin. There's victory over our failures, our defeat. There's victory over a sense of, of, uh, of maybe, you know, not measuring up. There's victory over all the lies of the enemy. There's victory over torment, depression. There's victory over sickness. I'm telling you, Jesus came to give us victory. Victory over the enemy. And the power of the cross. I think about Terry Law this, this week. I, or about a week and a half ago, I, he, he brought me a, his book, Storm Chasers. It's a new book. It's a story of his life. And he shares how that in the beginning, he was a PK. He was a pre, Pentecostal preacher's kid. And he lived in Canada in a little town, and, and he was poor. And he said, I was embarrassed about my 
church and, you know, my, my life. And he said, I wanted to be cool like other guys. And so he said, you know, I started, as I was growing older, I started fooling around, drinking and hanging out with guys that, you know, we, we did pranks. We were, we were involved in all kinds of things. He said, we gave the police trouble. And he said, my dad was embarrassed over me. And he says, I just never felt like I could measure up to my dad. And so he said, um, he said, you know, we, me and my friends, we were plotting and planning and things like that. He said, I, I ended up, my family had to go to church camp that summer. And he said, I was at camp and he said, I wasn't really paying attention to the preacher. And I know sometimes y'all are sitting in here and you're not paying attention. Well, I want to tell you something. You know, if, if you see somebody that's sleeping right now, nudge them. But anyway, the Holy Spirit can speak beyond me. Because that night he said, I didn't, wasn't getting much out of the preacher, but he said, something got a hold of me. I can't explain it, but I couldn't move. I couldn't move out of my seat. He said, people left the church service at the end of the service. And, and he said, the man had talked about missions. He had talked about different things. And he said, people left the building. He said, they turned the lights out. I was still sitting in that, that place. And he said, I couldn't move. I felt like God was really dealing with me. And he said that that preacher ended up coming back into the building because he had left something and he noticed that there was a shadow of somebody still there so he he walked back where I was and he and he put his hands on my shoulders and just started to pray and he said and then all of a sudden he said he started saying I see you going to the nations I see you holding a Bible and speaking to tens of thousands of people <laughs> Terry said that was the furthest thing from my mind. I, I was thinking, I think you got the wrong person. But he said, um, he said, I was always a risk taker. And, uh, and so anyway, but he said, after that night, he said, it kind of made me shiver because I, I thought, uh, you know, God, I don't think you, you want me. And uh, he said, I felt like I was a failure to my dad. And he said, I got back and I started hanging around with, with my friends again and he said, I ended up, uh, um, we, we, my friend, one of my friends had a, uh, in his basement a place where he could work on experiments. He liked science in school, so he said, but he was also a prankster. So he said, we were, we were creating a bomb. And so he said, my friend asked me if I was coming over one night, and I just thought, yeah, I think I'm not going to go. And I, he said, I ended up going to church that night. He said, I, I uh, you know, God was dealing with my, my heart. He said, the next day, my mom came in my room and said, the boy, your friend, last night there was an explosion in his basement and it killed him. And he said, the first thought that came to my mind was, I never told him about Jesus. I never talked with him about the gospel. So now, he said, I felt like a failure to God. I thought, God, how could you use somebody like me? I failed my dad. I failed, failed God. And so he said, um, he said, but... I went to church, and he said there was someone speaking, and he said I ended up going, re, re, responding to the altar call, and he said I knew that night, he said I had graduated from high school, and he said I was planning, I had gotten a scholarship, I was planning on going to this secular college, and he said, and, and I heard the Lord say, you're not going. So he said, I told my dad, I, I'm not going. He said, what do you mean you're not going? He said, I'm supposed to go to the Bible college instead. Well, he said, I didn't have money, so he said, man, I was going to work and go to Bible college. So he said, I got a job working for a farmer, and he said, uh, going to school, and he said, 
somebody let us know about a group from ORU that was coming to our town that was going to talk about Oral Roberts University. So he said, I ended up going to this little meeting and listening to them. And he said, while I'm sitting there, I heard the Lord say, this is where you're to be. Well, he said, I didn't have the money. But he said, I knew in my heart, this is where I'm to be. So he said, I, I went back to uh, my school, told them I, I was not going to be coming back the next year. He said, I went to the farmer. I said, Mr. So-and-so, he said, I just need to let you know I'm not going to be uh, able to continue working like I'd planned to for you. He said, um, uh, that group that came through talking about ORU, he said, I, I felt like God spoke to my heart. I'm supposed to go to Oral Roberts University. I don't know how, but I, I know I'm, I'm supposed to go. The, the farmer got tears in his eyes. He said, Terry, when did God tell you that? And he told him the exact time. He said, at that exact time, he says, when God spoke to me, I'm supposed to pay your way through college. Sometimes it's just, you know, when you're people of the cross, you have to take some risk. You have to take some steps of faith at times because our minds want to have everything figured out. But God's mind is that many times it's just He's trying to move us out beyond our own selves to help us to, to depend upon Him. You know, I think about with our lives, even with this church, years ago when we started Victory, we didn't know who would show up. We had been pastoring a church that had grown from 300 to 2,000 in a year and a half. We were in our 20s, and uh, that church felt like that they didn't want to, uh, they wanted us to just go and start another church. and. And because uh, they said, you're, you're a racehorse. They said that to my husband. And, uh, and so anyway, so we did. Uh, we were branching out. We didn't have, I mean, our first offering that, that the first week was going to be, you know, what we had. And we had gone to a bank to borrow, and all we had was our little house to put on collateral that was worth $57,000. And we needed $3 million that we were borrowing, you know. Um, they didn't know us. We didn't have a role. We didn't have a membership role. They didn't know if we, we were even a church, and yet we were telling them we were a church. Because the church before, they didn't have membership roles. They just uh, said, if you're a believer, you know, you're a member. So anyway, uh, we couldn't show them anything. It was a miracle that we even got started. But we, uh, when I, I think about through those years how God spoke to our hearts, every time he would tell us something, obeying what he told us, he told us, you know, you got to get out of debt. Sell, sell this place you're in. Go lease someplace and believe God for money to buy land and then build. And I mean, everything we were doing. And then in the middle of it all, he was telling us, you've got you've to go to the world. And I remember the first mission trip we went on to Guatemala. And they were in a military coup. And my mother was watching the news and she was calling me saying, you're not still going, are you? Yes, mother. Anyway, I wanted to return and raise my two little babies at that time, and I didn't want other people to raise them. I, I didn't want to die on the mission field is what I'm trying to say. If you've never been on the mission field, you know, you think, you know, the, the enemy tries to bring all kinds of thoughts to you. But, you know, the main thing is, is that you obey God. And we went down there. It was a tremendous time. We, uh, yes, there was communist guerrillas around, and yes, there was some, uh, you know, buses that were they were burning and that sort of thing but we were kept the whole time and and something happened on the inside of us that knitted our hearts to missions 
to the world. And then I, I think about how that through the years, there's so many various aspects, our bus ministry that evolved into the Dream Center, that evolved into mobile kids' trucks. All of these steps, we would have one little piece, and we just kept doing what it was that God would tell us to do. Why? Because, you know, when you're in commitment to Jesus, it's not going to all happen all at once. You're going to have to take little steps, and every little step, you're going to have to believe God. And as you believe God, God's going to make a way. God's going to provide. But every step you take, now, you may not be, it may not be ministry for you. It may just be you believing for your business, you see, or you raising those children. I'm telling you, the, the cross, the cross wants to be involved in every area of your life. When you teach your children, when you have time with them at night and you read a scripture or you read a Bible story and you pray with them, what you're doing is you're seeding your children with the power of the cross. Our kids, you know, sometimes they'd fall asleep or they'd, you know, while we were reading or praying or they would, you know, start, you know, picking at each other, you know, like if we started praying. One time Paul started praying in, in, in tongues and, Jesus, and John said, Paul, quit praying in Spanish. We can't understand what you're saying. <laughs> to him, everything was Spanish. But anyway... The point was is that, uh, that when, you, when you're raising your children, you are seeding them with the power of the cross. So that I remember years later when our daughter Ruthie was diagnosed with Bell's palsy. And on that side of her face, it was frozen. Here she was, the children's pastor for our children's church service at the time. She was teaching on healing. Little kids coming up to her, what's wrong with your face? Why doesn't it move? She said, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. She had, to, she had to believe in the power of the cross, but she had been seated with it, see, all through those years. You may think that your time with your kids at night is, you know, not having much effect. I want to tell you, your time with your children, you are seating them with the power of the cross. You as a businessman, when you believe, when you believe that God can speak to you, just like he spoke to Jesus and what Jesus heard the Father say, he did. If you as a businessman can believe that God can speak to you and then you do what he says to do, I'm telling you, you're going to experience the power of the cross in your life because the power of the cross wants to be a part of every aspect of our lives. The power of the cross. I think about it's not only victory over sin and victory over uh, the, the uh, over, over maybe coming when you first come to Christ. But it's also after you've come to Christ and maybe you've gotten away from God. The power of the cross is He can restore you. You know, you don't have to feel like you're such a failure or you've, you've messed up so bad that you can't come back. You can always be coming back to the cross. The cross is an invitation always. I want you to come to me. There was a woman in our church. She sent me a letter named Deb. She said, I... Somebody invited me to church. She said, I didn't, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. She said, there's a lot of fighting, cussing, hating, and uh, drinking. And she said, I, I just, I never had a hug. I didn't have kisses from my parents. She said, somebody invited me to church as I got uh, uh, teenage years. She said, I went, I got saved. But she said, and I started going to church. But she said, after a while, some negative things happened in my life, and I, I kind of drifted away from church. Then she said, I moved. I moved out of state. And she said, when I moved out of state, I, I, I found myself going back into that realm that I, my family had been in. Anger, hate, cursing, drinking again. See, the enemy tries to come back to your house when it's been slept, swept clean 
to try to bring other evil against you. And so anyway, she said, here I was. I, I, was, I, I then got into a lesbian relationship, and she said, I, I just was living a life doing whatever I wanted to. You know, freedom is not the ability to do whatever you want to do. Freedom is when, you know, that's lust. But freedom is the ability to be free from sin's power off of your life, controlling, manipulating you. She said, I became miserable. She said, now this had been going on 19 years. 19 years I'd been away from God. 19 years involved in a horrible lifestyle. And, and she said, I heard Joyce Myers. And she said, I heard she was coming to be okay. So I thought, I'll get some friends and we'll go down and see her. Well, Joyce had them pray the prayer of salvation. And after she prayed, she said, uh, I just had this thought, I need to go to church. And so she said, I came to this church because I had had friends at Victory. And so she said, I, I came in the doors. And she said, the moment I walked in over here where the information desk is, she said, I felt my knees almost buckle underneath me because of the power of God just touched my life. I felt conviction. I felt, I felt the power of His love. I felt, I felt all kinds of feelings something supernatural taking over my being. And she said, I, I responded to the altar call that Sunday. And then she said, I began to immediately get connected here. That was five and a half years ago. I've been walking free. And Jesus has been working in my life and through my life. Praise God. You see, week after week, the power of the cross is changing lives right here. One Sunday, we were... We were in our time where we were going to turn and pray for one another. Never underestimate praying one for another. I'm telling you, when, I, when we turn to pray for one another, I'm praying in tongues under my breath. And I'm just saying, Holy Ghost, just guide me to who I'm supposed to pray with. And so I felt led to go back to the back. And there was a man on the second row in the back. And this was in November. I think it was about November. And anyway, long hair. And he was standing there. And, and, uh, but he had his hands up like this, you know. And... Uh, so I went back there and I just laid my hands on him. I started praying, praying for healing, praying for deliverance. And then when I finished, he told me, he said, I, uh, I came to this church eight years ago, but I, I left and I've just not been in church anywhere. He said, I work at the post office. His name's Steve. He said, I work at the post office. And he said, I'm not a person that talks to people either. I'm afraid of talking with people. And, and he said, but I went to the doctor here recently and the doctor diagnosed me with MS and also with a tumor on my liver. And he said, he told me he was going to have to uh, operate and to remove that tumor, and he might have to remove part of the liver. And, she, and he said, I, I felt like if I could just get back to church, my life would start to turn again for the better. And, she said, and he told me, he said, I, I, uh, I, I came to church this morning just believing something was going to happen to me. So I prayed. That next week, he went back to the doctor. He gave me his testimony the following weekend on that following Sunday. He said, I went back to the doctor. And the doctor, he told me that the tumors disappeared. I don't need surgery. And that the MS seems to be digressing out of my body. Praise God. There is no religion, Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, there's no religion that can do that. Only Jesus, only the cross. When we release our faith in the power of the cross, our lives can be changed. Our lives can be restored. 
God wants to heal our lives. And there's something about the cross. The cross is also about love. The cross is about love. The cross is about how that the love of God comes in to change our lives and then that love then through us, he wants to flow to other people. In fact, I want to I give, give you some scriptures here because these are powerful. Because God says that his love is what he wants to compel us. 1 John 3.16 says, We understand what love is when we realize that Christ gave his life for us. We understand what real love is because he gave his life for us. That means we must give our lives for others. 1 Corinthians 5.14, the, the last part of that says, Love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised from the dead. When I think about this, I think about years ago, my, my husband, had we were doing an illustrated message, and we started doing these illustrated messages back in the mid-'80s because we thought if we can reach this sight and sound generation, we can show people the gospel as well as them hear the gospel and that somehow it will connect. In fact, two years ago, there was a woman sitting back over there in the, that section, and she, uh, she, had been gone, she was having blindness problems in one of her eyes, and she said how that when she saw the blind man being healed in the illustrated sermon, she thought, Jesus, you're still the same. I just released my faith right now for healing in my eye. God healed her eye. Praise God. My husband, one, one year, was when we were doing an illustrated sermon, and we were over at the Maybe Center at that time. And, and uh, when he gave the invitation, it was at our earlier service time, and when he gave the invitation, no one came forward. Well, if you know my husband, knew my husband, that didn't go over big with him. And uh, so, boy, I'm telling you, he, he slammed his Bible down and on the floor, and he jumped up and stood on a chair right next to my chair down front. You know, those moments when Bill Joe would have those kind of times, I would just kind of sit with my eyes focused ahead. I didn't want to look around at anybody. Because you know? <laughs> we did have a few moments like that. But anyway, he, uh, he stood up and he said, we aren't putting this on just to entertain you. He said, the reason we do this is because we believe it's our Billy Graham crusade. It's our, it's our times of the year because we do Christmas, Easter, and then 4th of July. He said, this is the time when we can communicate to people outside our walls. And we depend upon you to get that word out, to spread that little flyer out, to get people to come or to invite people and have them sit with you or, or however you want to do that, but to, to get people here to see the message that we're trying to help people get saved, help people get healed. And so anyway, it was one of those moments, but you know what? That afternoon, my mother-in-law, Iru, um, who's 91, and she's out of town today visiting, but um, she's amazing. But anyway, she, uh, she got convicted. So that afternoon, she went across the street to her neighbor's house. And she had really not talked with her neighbor. And so she knocked on the door. She said, I'd like to invite you with me to come with me tonight. Because my husband said, 
I want y'all to go out this afternoon and bring them back tonight. And so anyway, so she said, I'd like to invite you to come back with me tonight to, uh, to the church and to see this presentation. It's amazing. And so the lady says, well, I can't go. But she said, maybe my daughter would go. Well, her daughter had just been divorced. Her, she'd lost her job. And she had a teenage daughter. So the three of them were living together. But this daughter, because of all the uh, negative things that had happened, she had become depressed. So depressed to the point that Iru didn't know this, but she was suicidal. And that afternoon, she had contemplated how she was going to commit suicide. She came with Iru that night and her daughter. And they both responded at the invitation and gave their hearts to the Lord. And God began to heal them. Well, that lady, she's a very gifted woman, very smart. She ended up coming on staff with us and was on staff with us for a number of years until she moved. And I think about a life that was saved, a life that was rescued, a life that could have gone another direction, but because somebody gave a little flyer to their life was changed, was altered that night. There's so many lives that God wants to alter right now. Some of you that are sitting here today, you know in your heart. I look back and I see Thomas back there. One year ago, February, that he got delivered from gambling. He got delivered. He had known the Lord, but he had left, wandered off, but he came back to Jesus. And he came back to church, and immediately God started healing his life. I'm telling you, there's people here today, there's many of you here today, that you, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about, the power of the cross in your life. And some of you that are here that you may think, well, I don't know, my life's such a failure, it's such a mess. I prayed with a, a woman Oh, there was a girl that came forward at the very end of our last service and I put the mic down in her mouth because she had said to me, I feel like I got delivered. Last week I was at Sarah and Caleb's church in Orlando, Victory Orlando. There was a guy that came and he was on the edge of his seat the whole time, businessman, sharp looking with his teenage kids and his wife. And I said to Sarah and Caleb, check with that, that guy's hungry. And so the guy came and said, are you one of those spirit-filled churches that believes in tongues and miracles? And they said, yeah. He said, good. I've been, I've been looking for one because he said, a week and a half ago, some guy prayed for me uh, where I, I work. And he said, and, and he said I, I was smoking a pack of cigarettes every day. And he said, I had signed up to and paid for a conference that I'm supposed to go to next week. But he said, I got, I think they call it delivered. He said, I got delivered from cigarettes. I hadn't been smoking any. I hadn't desired it. And he said, the guy told me, find a spirit-filled church to go to. And he said, that, I, I had to find that. He said, so that's what y'all are? Yeah. I'm telling you, when the power of the cross really becomes real in somebody's life, it doesn't matter what's going on. But this girl, she came up this morning, and she had said to me, she said, I was at this, I got saved here in November and, and water baptized. She said, I started coming to this church, and she said, but I've struggled I've struggled with uh, smoking marijuana. And she said, and some other things in my life. But she said, oh, this past week, she said, I was with these girls from uh, Victory Bible College. And she said, and we just worshiping, listening to this music. And she said, and all of a sudden, she said, I just felt free. I felt like something just came out of me. And she said, I haven't desired to smoke marijuana. I hadn't. She said, it's like 
I, I feel, I know I'm free. And so she walked forward and I let her testify this morning at the end of the service. Why? Because the power of the cross is supernatural. And no matter what we've been through, no matter how a failure you felt you've been, everybody's felt something like that at points in their lives. But I'm telling you, the power of the cross delivers us from all of that. The power of the cross heals us. The power of the cross is here right now to set you and me free. And then this week, the power of the cross is going to flow through you to love somebody enough to share with them this message to get back this week, this coming weekend. I want us to stand together.